hello, and welcome to On the Line, a podcast for tennis players, coaches, and fans. I'm your host, Jenny Robb. Today on the line, we have author, speaker, executive, and coach, Tim Bainton. Hey, Tim. It's great to hey, have Je- you on the line. <laughs> hey, Jenny. How- <laughs> hey, Jenny. Hello, everybody. Uh, it's, great to, uh, it's great to be uh, a part of this podcast. I'm excited. No, thank you so much. Uh, we know your, your time is valuable, so I appreciate you being here. Um, so you are originally from London, so tell us a little bit about uh, your journey to the States. Sure. I, um, I, I grew up uh, playing tennis uh, from a young age. Um, I had a younger sister, very close in age, that we uh, sort of shared that journey together. Both, um, you know, had a, had a great experience with um, two coaches really early on when I was, you know, sort of seven, eight, nine years of age. And I think any of us who are coaching can attest to having a, a positive experience early on can only... Uh, only keep you in the game and, and wanting to be a part of it. And I was very lucky, actually. My first coach was um, was Claire Pollard, who obviously has had great success as the uh, Northwestern women's coach. Mm-hmm. So uh, and then um, so she was, you know, starting her career out back then, and I just happened to be growing up at the club that she was working at. But um, it was a really positive experience and one that kept me going and kept me playing. Um, I I did sort of I think what what most of us did that started playing at a young age. You you know, did sort of the summer camps and then sort of got into a few clinics and then that, you know, developed into more of a passion and sort of, can, you know, all the other sports that I was playing, I started to slow down and focus more on the tennis. And um, I grew up very close to Wimbledon, which was amazing because it gave me, uh, as I got better, it gave me the opportunity to sort of, you know, hit balls there at the All England Club and at oh, Queen's wow. Club and some neighboring places. And oh, that's um, really cool. Uh, which was really exciting and, and also obviously be able to go, go to Wimbledon much more, much more easier than, than someone coming from, from another country or something like that. And um, so all of those, you know, I think helped foster a love to play tennis. And then um, in, you know, growing up in England, we, uh, I ended up going to, I suppose what we would classify sort of as a, as a, as a regional training center here now in, in, um, in the U.S. Uh, I went to a place called St. George's College, which um, had on a tennis scholarship, which uh, was funded by the LTA, which is obviously the Lawn Tennis Association in the mm-hmm. U.K. And um, played tennis there. I was the same year as uh, two girls, Kathy Vimitor and Julia Smith. Julia went on and played at Duke. Uh, Kathy... Um, I think works for the LTA now, but both of them were at the time were top 10 in the world oh, in um, ITF juniors and playing mm-hmm. all the, the junior grand slams. Uh, and what was kind of cool about this school was it, it had all four surfaces right there. So we would, you know, we had, we had, we had grass courts, indoor hard, outdoor red clay. Um, and uh, so it was just an unbelievable opportunity, uh, which, which was really exciting. When I was there, I was coached by, um, a guy called Justin Shering, mm-hmm. who uh, went on and actually has had a lot of success. He worked with Jonah Conta recently and um, is, is sort of pretty pretty big name there in the UK still as a coach. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so again, you know, as a coach, having positive experiences with um, specifically Claire and Justin in my, in my younger years, um, I think uh, really also bred my love to continue with tennis beyond that. And um, I had an opportunity to come play in college here in the U S at, uh, uh, George Mason, uh, played there for four years and just loved tennis too much to not want to stay in the game. So that's, that's really my, what, what sort of got me here into the United States. And then, um, it was 
let's figure out a way to make a living and 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 a career path um, in tennis. And that was that was then the challenge, and that's what uh, I've been doing since. <laughs> Absolutely. So you you mentioned that you you played other sports as well, and then sort of specialized mm-hmm. in tennis a little bit sure. later. And and I know that you're Echeverry certified, which is fantastic. So the fitness side of it obviously is only getting more and more and more important um as as it evolves so what other sports did you play and 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 how do you feel like that contributed to your tennis success sure i mean i'm again a huge proponent of of not specializing too soon and and i with some of the best juniors that i've been fortunate to work with um you know they are playing other sports and they're benefiting from it myself um Obviously, being, being from England, we we all play we all play soccer. Um, so, so played a ton of that, and uh, also grew up playing uh, cricket and rugby. Mm-hmm. Um, I always loved basketball, um, but uh, when I was growing up, that was sort of um, you know nothing more than having a hoop in the backyard. There wasn't, <laughs> right. there weren't in, in England back then. There weren't sort of you know travel basketball teams for kids right. and youth leagues the way there are here, but. Um, I, I, I think that um, I used to I used to also do a lot of cross country running, um, oh, nice. which I was never the quickest at. But I used to I just think used to sort of be able to put my head down and, mm-hmm. and suck it up. Um, but I think the combination of all those things definitely helped. I think um, you know it's it's a known fact that sports with lateral movement, developing the lower body, strengthening the hips, and so on and so forth, like soccer, basketball, are a huge a huge part of developing the, the, the tennis player. Um, I remember it, um, you know, I was at Easter Bowl earlier this year um, and, you know, on the fields right there, every, every single foreign kid, especially, but then also now you're seeing more of the American kids too. They're all out there playing, they're, they're out there, they're out there playing soccer mm-hmm. um, as, as a point of just staying in shape, having fun, warming up. Right. Um, it was not, it was not out of the question that when we were sort of um, training during my high school years that, you know, we would we would cool down playing some soccer, or we would warm up playing a little sort of, you know, uh, kind of five side soccer and stuff on the courts. And um, you know, I think that's I think that's a fun fun way to do it. And I think it uh, you know it, it definitely helps develop um, definitely helps develop your, your your movement and your your lateral strength as well. When we think about tennis and loading, pushing off, etc. You know, um, there's definitely significant benefits from playing other sports. Yeah, I mean, all the, you know, to develop the athletic skills first um, before you specify into the sport-specific skills, um, you know, you can, you're just stronger, you have a better base, you can avoid injury, I mean, all those Mm -hmm. things. Um, So do you have a favorite uh, memory from your your early sport history? (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, definitely, um, I think, I think, I think from, from playing um i think you know getting to train with you know i mean i used to get to hit balls with edberg back in the day back up at oh, queen's wow. club i mean okay. it, it, so that was you know way way above my pay grade but but pretty cool in reflection <laughs> um i think uh, you know i i, I think yeah we, you know we, we won some uh, i won a 14s indoor national championship i look back on that fondly there was a team competition which we called which was called county cup which i suppose is sort of sort of like zonals or intersectionals here where you represented your your section and and, um, playing in that um you know 
for, for Surrey, which was the with the county, as we say, where where I grew up, mm-hmm. um, playing with a lot of players that went on and played on tour as well um, in that group as well. So, you know, people like Ross Hutchins and um, Johnny Delgado and uh, who else was there? Like Michael Uvroff, people like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of that was, you know, definitely in reflection, just a great experience. And then I think the other thing is... Um, I take I take a lot from being fortunate to have witnessed some other sporting events. Um, I I you know I went to the Davis Cup tie in Birmingham as a young kid when uh, Great Britain lost three two to the US. Um, that was a phenomenal experience to see that. Um, I remember seeing um, a night match after school. My mum took me to when I think I was about ten, and I saw Edberg play for the first time um, at, on centre court at Wimbledon. So definitely. Um, I think for any young kid, like having those experiences and being able to see it firsthand um, are pretty powerful and, and, and sort of, I think, drive for you to, to either emulate or to stay around those experiences. And that definitely in reflection has been the case for me. Oh, for sure. And I think so, so inspiring. I think you bring up a really big point there. I mean, you know, with my background here in the States, I mean, I think people see um, you know, the sports stars that are maybe football or basketball or baseball or, or not necessarily tennis and, and they're inspired by that and they want to wear that Jersey with that name or the number. And, mm-hmm. you know, so, so for you to have those experiences and be inspired, I, I think that's really, really super cool. And I hope that we can bring more big events um, for tennis here to, to have that same effect on, on our younger generations. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you look globally and you see that, you know, on the men's side right now, you, you can make an argument that you're not just witnessing the, the greatest two players, but even maybe three or four throwing Djokovic and Murray into the mix. And then sure. the, the absolute brilliance of Serena on the women's side, yes. you know, it's probably never to be emulated. And, mm-hmm. and globally, you know, these people, if you look at whether it's the most endorsed athletes or they're winning um, – uh, like the Laureus World Sports Awards and so on and so forth. I mean, they're internationally in the top five athletes in the world. But in in the US, you know, I think through through some media coverage and also us as coaches and uh, everyone else having to do a better job and try and get better to, to, to like you said, have, have those kids have the posters of Serena and Federer on their wall versus uh, like LeBron and Peyton Manning or something like that. So. <laughs> So it's interesting that you say that you say Federer, of course, he sort of supersedes, you know, country and all. I mean, he's everybody's favorite, you know, generally that you talk to or an Adal or a Djokovic or a Murray. I mean, um, so as far as growing tennis in the U.S. Um, along those lines, what else do you think that that we could do to to be competitive in the sports market? Because it's so competitive. It, it is competitive, and I and I think what what tennis is. Um, firstly, I want to say I think I think the tennis industry right now is going through a a, a good and positive change. I agree. Um, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it in all different uh, sides, whether it's on the educational side, whether it's in the um, uh, the opportunity side, whether it's embracing uh, diversity and inclusion programs or Special Olympics and all of these things. The, the, but the problem is, is that it's take, they've been a little bit behind the eight ball. Mm-hmm. So um, there's catch up to be done. And the problem with that is you kind of lose or have lost maybe a generation of two of players mm-hmm. that then also become, that also become clients. They become 
coaches they become you know so we there's there's a bigger issue that's extrapolated out over time uh but but it's changing and it's changing for the for the positive um i i think that um the the big thing is that tennis has to be it is not it is not a sport that we know has early success it's not like kicking a soccer ball or throwing a or passing a basketball and it does you know so focusing more and more on sort of the team side of things um embracing you know uh, red orange green um shorter sets some of the more team-based stuff because i think a lot of the time we, we, we focus too hard on trying to get the best players but without realizing we actually have to have masses of players in order mm-hmm. to create the best players Definitely. um so i think that the, the most important thing if you want to have champions coming out of this country you've got to have more kids play tennis it's that simple yes. um and i think i think nowadays um there's also issues with regards to like we're we're obviously in the mid-atlantic here in the in the dc area and it's expensive it's um you know it's right now if i go outside it's below freezing and mm-hmm you're not going to be playing on a public court today. <laughs> so, and then, you know, the inventory of indoor courts is, is harder and harder to come by because, you know, the, you know, the square footage of, a, of an indoor court, when you could build apartments, commercial real estate, whatever it may be. I mean, that's, that's a real challenge. I mean, a real challenge. And I think probably actually one of the biggest challenge, probably the main challenge that we have in sustaining um, the sport nationwide is, is we've got to have places where, specifically kids can come and learn and play at an affordable entry level point and also still be able to make these clubs be successful. Um, so that, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a challenge. I think that, um, you know, the, the Floridas and the SoCal's and the Texas's of the world, that's why they, they do so much more because, Mm -hmm. um, because they're able to, and they have, a lot more opportunity with, you know, huge public facilities and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, I'm a little bit biased being here in DC, but I, w- I would love to be able to create that same opportunity here. Um, so it, it, it's, but that's all, it, it, it's, it's a challenge, but it's, it, it's, over, it's, it's, it's possible to overcome it. I, I'm seeing it, I'm seeing it get better. Now you, you really faced that challenge head on and did a really good job of it with your company you were the executive director of blue chip sports management you had multiple facilities um you, you were a facility of the year you've been a coach of the year i mean you, you've done a lot to help grow the game the game from this grassroots level that we're talking about um tell us a little bit how that evolved well when i when i got out of school my goal my goal my dream if i was going to stay in tennis was i i I, I understood that I, I'd never won a Grand Slam. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't put my name out there and suddenly get this great job and, and ride that. So I had to focus more on the long-term strategy of purchasing and owning a club, building a business, building a brand, um, and continually being educated. Um, the one bit of advice I give to any coach is I remember when in 2005, I was earning $9 an hour as a coach. And, you know, that, that wasn't that long ago. And, um, and, but somehow I, I just, I just, I, I, I think maybe it's something that was installed in me by my parents about, you know, continuing education. I, I found a way to, you know, um, to go to a symposium or to go to a, a regional conference or to, you know, and, 
and and that's really a point of how I think you start to grow your network, your brand, and especially at a young age. And it's extremely hard for, for young coaches to do. Absolutely. Um, now, did you I, do that on your own sort yes, of? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. It wasn't until it wasn't until that was in 2005, 2006. I think I went to my first PTR symposium. Um, I remember, you know, being in a in a absolute dive of a motel out, <laughs> outside, off, off, off the island. I wasn't even staying oh, on the wow. island. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, and but I, you know, I for, for this for the five days, I attended every uh, presentation and I sort of gave out a, a business card that I think I made on my own computer at home. Sure, and uh, sure hope that some people might start, you know, bringing me into their network. And, and that's a big thing that, you know, you have to do in order to, 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 to grow and to be involved in. And so the goal, you know, with blue chip was I had this idea that I was, I was working at a club and my goal was to own a club. I thought that would be the coolest thing in the world. And that would could live the rest of my days there. One club happy as a sandboy, no problem at all. And <laughs> what happened was in 2009, um, I got approached to take over a club that was um, very heavily in debt, um, mm. and it, it, uh, so much in life is luck and also timing. And uh, sure. I went into I went into this club with the idea of, um, of of managing basically swim and tennis clubs, so very very okay. small small on the side, sort of to bring in a little extra money, mm-hmm. and. Um, and there's a lot of that here in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. A lot of mm-hmm. these, um, I know it's common pretty much everywhere, but uh, here, you know, you've got a lot of these little hamlets of, you know, four or five courts and a pool and um, and surrounded by a community and the homeowners associations. And when I went into this indoor club, which they asked me to come in and take over, um, we, we went from probably $120,000 in revenues to $1.8 million within uh, 13 months. Oh, wow. And yeah. And again, so, but that's about right people and working hard. And, mm-hmm. um, so what happened was through that process, I, I didn't realize, um, that the, the, the company that owned this club actually are a billion dollar under assets, real estate company. Um, they had by chance this one tennis club, no one knew how to run it or anything like this. And it was mm-hmm. just, they almost wanted it off of their portfolio, but when you when you have that sort of success with them and you and you leverage the relationship with with people that have that much money and clout the right way we were able to create what is blue chip sports management and go in and and focus on bigger things and that and that's and that's proliferated now into you know obviously i, I always tell people this i i come at it from i'm a, I'm a tennis coach i'm a tennis lover a tennis player I'm, mm-hmm. that that's my angle but again in order for it to to grow and be successful it's diversified into a whole host of other things um you know we have a we have a corporate wellness program thing that we work with some of the major companies here in dc we have a consulting arm we have a foundation Mm. um we uh and 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 sort of getting that into other things beyond just tennis so sort of more, I suppose, facilities management and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, tennis is still the heart and the pulse of it, but but there's other avenues that have grown around it um, that, that, that have been, you know, some of it's harder to get used to and stuff, but ultimately by, by looking at some other, um, how some other businesses and things do things and learning from that, I think it's just helped us get, get better. And obviously, if, just like a stock portfolio, if you diversify enough and correctly, you're, you're going to be more sustainable when, you know, 
sort of you know economies are high or low or tennis is not as popular or whatever so that's that's been uh, definitely i think a, a, a big part of why we, we're still here and here and here and growing how do you sort of instill a love of continuing education and the value of continuing education to to the pros that you employ uh, one uh, so, so to give you an idea of how important it is to me um, I have a young pro Kelly Sykes mm-hmm. who who is 23 years of age he works coaching it's just an absolute blessing to have someone that's so passionate and and gets it um, about the continuing education part and just working hard and and, 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 and but he just he just uh, won the PTR newcomer of the year award Excellent. and I think I think that sort of sort of maybe um, explains and shows sort of why it's so important because he um you know he's done the hard work but it's definitely something that we talk about in our company all the time Mm -hmm. um i you know i challenge these guys on a day-to-day guys and girls on a day-to-day basis with regards to um i call it the shark tank mentality they when we we have our meetings and our staff meetings it's not it's not like a generic meeting people Mm -hmm. i get these guys to come guys and girls to come and pitch ideas um they have to get up they have to speak they have to you know they have to come with a business plan um and we vote on things and they just Mm -hmm. again that that combination of not just coming to work and, and coaching but also kind of adding more of the the brainstorming the entrepreneurial side it's ultimately developing um my staff and myself that we're constantly learning and evolving and 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 it it just brings new exciting ideas um which makes it more of a more of a a exciting culture in which to work in i think um and i and i think i just love would love to see more more clubs doing that that stuff more I, i it's nothing it's not, I haven't I haven't sort of found some magic source that no one else did. Mm-hmm. This you know most corporate companies do this stuff. It's just that not necessarily people in the tennis and health club business are doing it. Right. And um, so it's really looking to see how other companies are successful, um, other companies, other facilities, other entities. I mean, one that we one that we studied very closely was I I, I went and did I must have visited about twenty indoor indoor soccer sites. Mm, um, okay purely to understand because because they're, they're packed in, in our area they are they you cannot get in there for love nor money and it, it's just packed from as soon as it opens in the morning to when it closes at night so but it was trying to understand what their business model is how they're doing it how they're marketing um so again it, you see it, you know when you see something else that's successful going and asking the questions and understanding and analyzing what what you can bring into your business into your day-to-day world mm-hmm. um is, is pretty powerful and and I, I i just have a thirst for it i i don't i don't think i know more than any other tennis coach i just i'm just keen to to understand how to get better and and that's just about asking the questions and searching for the answers oh absolutely i mean that's what we all we all just want to get better so how would you say and this is a huge question i realize but how would you say your coaching has evolved well i think i think literally by the definition of 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 of, of evolution it, it, it it's if, if someone came to me for a lesson today that i had taught 10 years ago they wouldn't see the same coach <laughs> right. um you know that's it, my it, goal it, it, yeah <laughs> It, 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 uh, my thing about that is almost though the, the way my brain functions, if that I'm doing the same thing over and over again, 
Um, I, I get bored with it. I, so it's looking for whether it's a new drill, a new tip, a new technique. I'm, as I've got older and smarter, I'm more wary as to um, not sort of just start to use them without sort of beta testing them. Um, because of this, but, but again, it's, it's taking as much information in as you can and definitely putting your own stamp on it, whether it's with your with ha- what your mission statement is or what your values are as a coach. But um, you've got to constantly be looking for better ways to uh, instruct, better ways to interact, better ways to promote, to market, um, mm-hmm. and to have the continuing conversation after the lesson is done as well. You know, whether it's through feedback on an app or just a text or an email follow-up or a phone call, you know, I mean, there's 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 huge customer service. Um, there's there's this huge customer service things that that can that also need to be incorporated as tennis coaches in order to keep people, you know, coming back and 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 growing. I mean, ultimately, anybody that's on your court, you know, it's it's a privilege to 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 have somebody there that you're able to teach or to instruct or to coach, and and that comes with a with a great responsibility. Um, you know, I've I've never. I've never been one to take somebody's money without feeling that I've given them everything I have. Um, and, and that's something that I try to install in my, my coaches. And, you know, we, we, we try and get, we try and get better. Um, we're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. There's a, there's a lot better coaches out there than me, but I'm, 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 I'm always looking to try and learn from them. And I think, um, I think we, I think we do ourselves a disservice when we, when we think we know it all. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and just because, and just because something worked, worked, you know, 10 years ago, doesn't mean you should still be doing it now. So, That's um, <laughs> there's, there's evolution. <laughs> and I look at it as exciting. If, 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 if coaching is evolving, then the sport is evolving, then the business is evolving. There's, you know, that's, that's an exciting thing to be part of but that journey. So, Oh, for sure. Now, I uh, I had the privilege of attending your um, you you spoke at the PTR uh, technology technology conference and the director of tennis conference in Hilton Head this fall in November, um, and so that actually really speaks to when you said you know whether you're using an app or something to keep track of with your students. I mean, clearly that's a an evolution, an easy one um, that we as coaches. Um, sort of have a responsibility to um, t- tell us a little bit about uh, what you spoke about at the technology conference and the director of tennis conference. So the the, the uh, firstly, just any any time that you get to you get an opportunity to to be around your peers and your colleagues and to share ideas is is something that is is so is so is so powerful. And such a wonderful opportunity to learn and to get better. And um, it's at the the technology conference that the PTR did, which was the inaugural one, which I thought was a fantastic event. Yes, Um, I agree. I think that not just the PTR, I think there's a lot of organizations right now that are taking a close look at what they're offering and being Mm -hmm. forced to change and be more innovative, which is a good thing. Yes. Um, because as consumers, you know, when, when, when people are paying to, uh, you know, to go to these things, they've got to be the best, they, they've got to be the best around. Otherwise right. it, it's going to fall flat. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, I was very encouraged by the, the, the tech conference. I, I spoke, um, 
with a with a business partner of mine on tracking trends and increasing profits. Mm-hmm. And uh, just to really summarize, it's it's I, I've in the past three years I've become obsessed with with analyzing data in every decision that I make, mm-hmm. um, and trying to get. Uh, I refer to it as the data lens, and what I mean by that is that you start to um, you start to analyze every decision whether it's your personal life your business life with regards to information that that you have now again this isn't something that other industries haven't been doing and capitalizing on for years i mean i look at those like for example ibm watson commercials they've been around since goodness how long right. the, the, the 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 idea of analyzing data is nothing new um, right. and as dimitri my business partner will tell you is that data has absolutely no intrinsic value at all. But it's whether we are willing to take the time to look at it and to understand it and to ask the right questions and to seek the right information. So um, it really, our presentation was about how from whether you're just a sort of 40-hour-a-week independent tennis coach to someone that is a director of tennis or a general manager or an owner of multiple clubs, you all need to be becoming more efficient in the information that we already have, whether that is information from surveys, whether it's information from software, uh, and that can be on-court software, front office, back office. Mm-hmm. Um, most, I mean, look, every club today has a you know state-of-the-art software system. There's so many out there, but how many? You know, but apart from taking payments and and doing billing are we actually looking at the trends that we're seeing with regards to being able to then market better whether it's uh, to save clients from leaving because they haven't been participating um what we are offering um so all of this stuff is something that it's really we're really trying to create a blueprint for analyzing um the health club the health club in general uh uh, side of things um, so that people are making better decisions from how long their front desk people are on the phone for before getting off the phone um, to, to, uh, co- to convert to a sale um, to making sure your pro shops are stocked with the right stuff, not because um, you know a vendor is trying to sell you the new stuff, but because you've actually done the due diligence to ask right. your membership what, what it is that they want. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we're excited about it. We actually, that, that presentation is actually being videoed and turned into a three-hour educational course that the PTR will offer its members. Oh, that's excellent. So we've, we've written a syllabus for that, that, that basically will be uh, continuing education points that you can get through completing it. Okay. Um, and so that's exciting. And Definitely. that's got some, that, that's got, it's funny, that, that, that particular presentation has got some traction. Um, we're taking it... Um, we're taking it to Ursa in San Diego, uh, which is really exciting because as the International Health Racket and Sports Club Association, which is the largest in the world, um, the, the racket, the R component of it is not very well represented ever. That's, it's, mm. it's a massive, massive, um, easily the largest uh, symposium I have ever been to. The, okay. trade show, the trade show alone there takes you a day and a half to walk around. Oh, wow. um, so... <laughs> I'm I'm excited about that because not only are we getting a voice there, but we're also we're also really talking about the tennis and health club component on on, on what is really a global uh, stage there, um, and and then also 
uh, to, to give you an example of how important this information is, we're also going to go and we actually just signed a consulting agreement with Goldman Sachs to oh, help wow. work on onboarding some of these okay. principles. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, that just shows you, I think, that, that we're, 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 on, we're on to something. Um, Dimitri, again, who's, who owns a data science company, who is my partner in this, um, you know, uh, we've been onboarding some of these systems at Blue Chip now for three years. And that's where that presentation that we did at the tech conference came from. That was that was the first time we debuted it because we, we, we've sort of had three years of research and now want to, want to make sure that everybody else has that information to, to try and be more efficient and more successful. Okay. That's, now, the, uh, that's the long answer. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's a great answer um, and an important, an important information. Um, and you're speaking again. So the PTR Symposium... This February yeah. in Hilton Head, um, is it going to expound on that, or is it something different? Um, no. So, so the PTR, the, the, the symposium that, that I was, um, we are going to be filming the um, the three hour course that I just mentioned mm-hmm. to you, but that that won't that just happens to be in conjunction. That won't be available or presented on. Um, okay. I, I'm presenting on. I have a partnerships presentation that I've done before. Um, mm-hmm that we sort of have a 2018 evolution to um, mm-hmm. it's called creating sustaining and leveraging partnerships. And, and the real crux of this is uh, it, it comes back to, I, I sound old fashioned cause I always use the, the phrase Rolodex, but I suppose, <laughs> I don't know, iPhone contacts, whatever, <laughs> what, what as people in the tennis industry, we don't fully recognize mm-hmm. is the, is the power of the people that we know. Um, yes. And, and understanding how to speak, you know, we are in a service industry, but it doesn't mean you have to be subservient. And I want to repeat that quote because it's—I think it's really important. Yes, we are in a—we are in a service industry, but we do not have to be subservient. And what I mean by that is, you know, we—we have clients, and everybody is the same, who are rich, who are poor, who are educated, who are entrepreneurs, who are doctors, lawyers, army, uh, every single possible Mm -hmm. walk of life. Mm -hmm. And if we are just teaching them tennis versus trying to widen our own horizons, our own network, whether it's inside or outside of tennis, um, or whether it's just trying to get somebody to help you out um, with I mean, I've had lawyer friends of mine that helped me with contracts. I, my dentist is a client of mine. My doctor's a client of mine. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, it, the old idea of keeping it in the family, but also letting them know what you're about, who you are, what your dreams are, what your hopes are, what your business ideas are. Um, the because these, yeah. we, we, we have this connection. You know, these are people that if you have a successful relationship, I mean, I've seen so many people that are willing to help, but they don't know how because you don't ask, mm-hmm. you know, that will do anything for you. We, we, we grew up teaching their kids and the kids love the coach. Right. That relationship is so powerful oh, that it's that it's not it's not about abusing it, mm-hmm. it, but it's about these people will help you. They will they will guide you. They will they will sit down and have coffee with you if you have some questions regarding, you know, a legal matter or a personal matter or how do I do this, this and this. So. That's really what that partnerships presentation is about. It's about we have to understand that in order for our industry to grow, whether it's getting more people playing tennis, it me, uh, or whether it's uh, growing our business, our club. You know, your value is is only so much if you're only known within the four walls of the entity in which you work. Um, you know, we, we can't we can't all be as famous as Jenny Jenny Walls Rob, but, <laughs> right. but but but. 
but but it's important that you are putting yourself out there um, in order to, to grow uh, yourself and, and your business. So um, that's a presentation that I mean I've been I've, I've been re, I've been reworking it, it, it. I think it's been it's probably the presentation I've done that I think has been most well received. It's been a webinar for USPTA um, to the Tennis Industry Association. I did a webinar for them. Um, uh, and I've presented it a, a, a numerous times, but I'll, it, it'll be uh, the first time doing it at the symposium. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that at the symposium. I'll, I will see you there. So, absolutely. What? Uh, so, what? What makes a great coach? And this is going to segue into you have a new book about coaching. But so, what? <laughs> what uh, tell us a little bit. What makes a great coach? And how did this book come about? A Brit and a Texan solve the coaching puzzle. I love that. Um, yeah, what makes a great coach? So I, I think I think two two things. Firstly, you have to you have to respect the privilege of being a coach. Mm-hmm. When somebody when somebody is putting their their child themselves in your care, in or you have the same responsibility as if you're an elementary school teacher. Yes, um, you have a responsibility to have the best information to have the best conduct, to have the best delivery, um, and also have a roadmap for that person to get better. Now, that does not mean they're going to become a world champion by all means. Of course, right. 99.99% are not going to. <laughs> right. But you have to have a roadmap that keeps them coming back and that keeps them loving the sport and also loving what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I think the second key is this. I think it's I think it's you can see, and and I don't see enough of it because I think things have to change, but there are a handful of coaches that are in their 60s and 70s who are literally beloved. Mm-hmm. And that, therefore, I think, as in many other, whether it's an actor, an actress, whatever, uh, if, if you've had longevity mm-hmm. that is appreciated by your clients, your peers, um, and not just because it's you just were a coach, you, you've tried to help others. You've, you've, you've lived, you've walked the walk, talked the talk, had the integrity, done the continuing education, done the mentoring, you know, have that whole just journey that people that you've not been you've not been unafraid to share or to help. Um, oh, I love that. You know, you know I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name a few names, but I think we all <laughs> we can all point to a few who who you know what they they they, they, they there is a there is a genuine love for tennis. There's a genuine love mm. for coaching. And there's a genuine love to see other people be successful. Yes, and, that's huge. And that, I think, is something that is not always the case. Um, and I think we need to sort of inspire and install and all try and and all try and do a little bit better um, across the board with that. Oh, um, great. Now, now, now I'm venturing a little bit off of the, <laughs> the question I just asked you, but, but I have to. Um, so who, who in your life were those mentors or heroes that sort of encouraged you to go for more and, and believe in yourself? Sure. Um, I mean, I think it started with I had, I, had good, I had great tennis parents. My parents weren't tennis players themselves. They were, they were educators, though. Um, so they, I think they understood a lot of, you know, the growth maturity of a, of a successful child, not, not a successful athlete, just a, a successful and happy child. Okay. So 
we always, um, you know, I, I look back and, and, and definitely owe them an awful lot. I have an uncle that was very successful in business who I lean on and rely on um, in a lot of the things that it motivated me. But also now I look at as a confidant and as a mentor. Um, I My first boss was a guy called Paul Fisher, who we talk about in the book, who was mm-hmm. just, you know, he, he gave me an opportunity to get better. He didn't, I have a saying about not, I'm not going to hold your hand. But I'm going to I'm going to give I'm going to give you the opportunity to prove yourself and 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 he did that he gave me court time and it was either Tim you're going to grow it and be successful or you're going to you know you're just going to take a paycheck and go home and <laughs> so he ins- he installed that in me and um, you know as in reflection as someone now that hires a lot of people myself you know I, I appreciate how well he treated me when I was very young and, and like I said didn't have a name in the industry or anything at that point. Um, beyond that i look to people outside of you know and then as i said there's a there's a whole host of coaches within the industry i mean in from in the consulting realm i mean people like you know doug cash you know wrote wrote the blueprint on a lot of this Mm -hmm. stuff and Mm -hmm. and um and as i sort of move into that world i i definitely look up to some of the you know the, the respect that he 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 garners and then you have you know people like Kenda Hart, who I think is just an, you know the epitome uh, of what I was talking about earlier. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and then um, you know, and then I'm inspired by so many of my my fellow coaches. I mean, um, that, that that are sort of you know in and around my age and are doing doing. They're just they're just there the front lines and in the trenches and they're they're figuring it out and they're you know. They're, they're doing well there's a there's a the whole handful of acknowledgements in the book that of people that i you know then no two people are doing it the same way um, right. but 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 learning from them and having conversation and dialogue and a mutual respect um has been really exciting and then and then outside of that i yeah i mean there's <laughs> there's some people outside of the tennis industry i mean that just that absolutely blow my mind i mean i've been fortunate enough to i'll name drop here i've been fortunate enough to to actually coach Bill Gates on a few occasions, mm-hmm. and I mean that 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 guy is just on another level. The humility right. that he shows, and, and and once you start to delve into not just the, the 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 business side, but the philanthropy and just the unbelievable human being he is, uh, him and his wife um, is pretty powerful. And then I, I find I find I find a lot of stuff in challenging the status quo, and these people might not be as well known but um like stephen fry is a is a, is a great comedian oh, yeah, and, and lit- literary figure that i love mm-hmm. uh, a guy called uh, christopher hitchens who oh, uh, yeah, for sure and and then also my my, my favorite is I'm, I'm a huge ricky gervais fan uh, every, <laughs> every, everything he does i everything from back when he used to do the original podcast on a radio station called xfm in the uk mm-hmm. um i find him to be I find him to be hilarious, but I also find him to sort of to challenge a lot of this, the social norms and the status quo and, and that stuff is, is, is important. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, and I could go on for forever. I think it's important that, that, that we all have people that influence us. Absolutely. And, and once we, uh, I talk about this in the book, we have a whole chapter on mentoring and influences. And, um, it was, um, it was interesting how Jeremy, who I wrote the book with Jeremy Carl, how, um, we, we, we had so many parallels, whether it was our parents or even a few coaches, but then we also had completely different people outside of the industry that I would never even have thought to look for. And, and, and I think vice versa. So that was kind of, uh, kind of interesting. So, so yeah, so all of this sort of leads us to, I mean, I love the <laughs> title. I mean, the complete coach. Yeah. 
I, I, I mean, I think that's that's a it's a pretty pretty great title. So, how did this all sort of evolve and come about with Jeremy? So, uh, it's it's kind of a fun story, and, and anyone that knows Jeremy and myself, um, we we could we are we are literally the best of friends, <laughs> but we could not be two more different personalities. <laughs> if you. So, um, and I think that's what's kind of cool about coming together and writing this book. What happened was about three years ago, um, I talked earlier about how I do challenge my, my staff to, to, to do better, to, to get better, to, to, to go, to go speak, to mm-hmm. go write and this and that. And mm-hmm. Jeremy, Jeremy came into the office one day with a big smile on his face and he had, um, he had the USPTA, the advantage magazine in his hand and he mm-hmm. sort of you know, the, the guy doesn't have an arrogant bone in his body, but sort of with a little wry smile sort of pops it open to the page and slaps it down on the desk. And um, and he's written an article for them. And okay. obviously I'm like, dude, that's fantastic. Good for you. You know, <laughs> we, we put it on social media. We're promoting it. Um, but as a competitive guy, I'm like, well, I've never written an article. I'm going to write one too. So, um, so 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 what happened was you know that's how it started and then um we really had about five trade magazines um club business international club solutions um the ptr tennis pro magazine which was definitely the most supportive i would be remiss if i didn't give a shout out to peggy edwards the editor who's Mm -hmm. just unbelievably supportive of us for sure um and the uspta advantage magazine and um and, and basically what happened was we kind of just got a bug for writing articles and we started doing them together. We started bringing in a few other coaches and a few other uh, positions. And mm-hmm. before we knew it, we had in, in three years, we had 70,000 words of content. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so it got it got it got it got pretty crazy. So um, uh, and, and it also went from, you know, all these all these magazines, obviously, they want fresh content and fresh ideas. And I don't think there's enough people uh, writing and, and giving the content as well. So I, I mean, I urge everyone I to agree. do it. It's, it's such it's such a rewarding process. Yes. Um, to, to so so Jeremy's father, um, he uh, he actually has published eight books himself, oh, and he okay. um, yeah he's 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 a smarty pants, and he um, <laughs> Je- you know Jeremy is a you know is a proud son. Kept sending his dad these articles, and all of a sudden his dad said, "Well, why don't you publish a book?" And Jenny, you will obviously be able to uh, sympathize with this now. So we, so, so there I was back in June of this year thinking to myself, oh, well, we've got all this content. This is easy. We're going to just send it over to Jeremy's dad who said he'd edit it for us. And, uh, and, and we have ourselves a book. Well, obviously it doesn't work that way. So, uh, um, so, so Jeremy's dad being, you know, excellent at, at this, he, uh, we, we basically have spent the last six months daily rewriting the whole book. Mm-hmm. So now, so, so what started as just an absolute <laughs> array of articles from everything under the sun, mm-hmm. um, to then a structured, a structured book that intentionally we, we do truly believe it is unique, um, in that it's not about coaching on the court. Okay. It, yep. By the complete coach, what we mean is you are the complete coach. It is focusing on why we do it, how we have longevity, um, the business side, the networking side, the branding side, uh, the mentorship, the giving back, the continuing education. There are there are you just have to go onto YouTube and you can find the best coaches in the world giving free tips right now. That's right. So we didn't want to be another. And not there's anything wrong with this, but we, we felt that there was enough people 
writing and producing great content in that regard. Mm -hmm. So instead, we wanted to write a blueprint for basically how to be successful in the industry. Like how do I go from in 2005 earning $9 an hour with no name and no brand in the industry to 10 years later, you know, being able to, you know, speak at the PTR symposium and to have a book out and to own a business and this and and that that journey that pathway is going to be different for a lot of people but the but the goal to grow and to stay and to enjoy I think is the, the same for anybody in any industry oh, um, yeah, absolutely that's brilliant yep so that's that's the, that's the book it um it really starts with sort of talking about Jeremy and I's journey um and then we we just get into the the weeds of it and um it's it came out the 23rd it's now available on Kindle um and we have an audio book that is currently being recorded and should be available by the end of January. Very cool. Um, and this is all on Amazon, right? It it is. We got it into a few local DC bookstores. Nice. Um, okay. Because I like to plead and plead and beg and and <laughs> and, and all this sort of stuff. Um but yes, it's it's available on Amazon and um it's like I said, we we are just, you know, the, for, for Jeremy and I, this is about hoping to improve the industry and to improve coaches' longevity and success. We're not, we're not, we're not trying to make a buck off this book. We want to right. get it into people's hands. Um, we're going to do a signing at the PTR symposium. Oh, that's um, so fun! Okay, where we our plan is to to literally sell the book at at cost so mm. we we uh we want to have this in people's hands we want to have people's feedback um we want to you know that that's what's really important for us it's been a an unbelievable journey and jenny i know you and i we shared this i think on a, a call before <laughs> this about mm-hmm. you know when, when you when you and that's why and i say this because i urge more people <laughs> to do it is um it, it is an overwhelming experience to to hold a book with your name on. That's right. Uh, I mean, I, I would be, again, remiss if I didn't admit I, you know, I shed a few tears when I first got that book in the mail. <laughs> I was a um, wreck, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's and it's something that what, what, what we really are fortunate about when we talk in the book is, is we have we have chapters in there written by, um, uh, you know, one is Jeremy's dad has written one from a parent perspective. My nice. sister wrote one from a sibling perspective. Oh, how cool is that? Okay. Um, my we have we have uh, chapters from uh, Faisal Hassan and also mm-hmm. from David Redding, mm-hmm. uh, Paul Fisher. Um, so it, it's really been a it, it's 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 you know Jeremy and I's names on the front, but it's this is a whole. Uh, expanded family of, of friends, colleagues, and everybody else that's influenced the words on the page and also written some of the stuff as well. So, um, that is beautiful. So, um, so, so the big, the big last question is, uh, what's next? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, well for me, uh, I think, I think we, well, on on the writing side, you know, we're we're all get we're already working on the next one. So excellent, well, um, good, yeah. good to know. <laughs> yeah, um, I I think there's um, in 2018, um, I really look to uh, to push the, uh, the the tracking trends, and increasing profits, the data analytics side for facilities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've got a lot of traction on that. We're going to be talking also at the Tom conference as well. Um, oh yeah, I saw that. That's great. So we've got we've got Ursa the Tom conference. I'm also going out with a new presentation to Indian Worlds for the 
Women's Tennis Coach Association and the mm-hmm. PTR event. I've actually got a brand new topic. It's called the uh, it's called the, the the Tennis Business Blueprint, and it's uh, it's again sort of it's really based on on sort of the you know how we get from A to Z um, as a coach to diversify what we're offering to be as as personally successful as financially successful and all of that good stuff so uh that's new oh that's fantastic and then other than that we uh you know stuff's beginning to pick up traction and ultimately i still have a business to run here as well so (laughs) (laughs) so again thank you for taking the time today to uh have this this fun uh this fun chat thank you you're 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 a busy you're a busy guy (laughs) Jenny, absolutely, and let me say, I think I think you are one of the best in the industry, and oh, I wish I wish you I wish you continued success, and I, I really enjoy our conversations, and uh, I, I look forward to uh, to many more. Oh, well, we will chat again. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, thank you, and we will we will all look forward to reading the book. <laughs> all right, great. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I appreciate it.